welcome to The Risk Insight, a Crisis 24 podcast taking a closer look at the risk and security issues facing organizations around the world today. And now, here's your host, Bo French. Welcome to this episode of The Risk Insight. I'm Mo French, your host today, and I'm very excited to welcome a leader within our Global Protective Solutions Division, Matt Spring. Welcome, Matt. Thank you, Mo. Thanks for having me. Terrific. Well, today, um, we're really excited to share trends in executive protection uh, for our listeners today. But before we get into that detail, Matt, I'd like to have you take a minute, talk a little bit about your background and the role that you play at Crisis 24. Sure, thanks. So uh, I'm the Director of Global Protective Solutions at Crisis 24. Uh, We primarily focus on providing executive protection and security driver services to our clients. Um, Prior to working at uh, Crisis 24, I I was with uh, a predecessor company at GuardWorld, managing primarily the same thing, executive protection. Uh, Have been doing it now for about uh, 30 years or so in my life. Um, Before my career in private security, I was in the law enforcement community. I was a police officer in Arlington, Virginia, uh, managed uh, tactical operations for our special operations division and as well was a vice narcotics uh, detective. Uh, Gave them about nine years of my life and then uh, got into private security and have been managing uh, executive protection ever since. Wonderful. Well, thank you for your service. And uh, and why don't we go ahead and get into it? So when we look at uh, trends in executive protection, let's open it up really to what you're seeing um, really as the we're still in the middle of the global pandemic uh, in some countries worse than others. Um, but what are you seeing kind of the onset of what it looks like today in 2021 versus where it was in 2019 pre-pandemic? Sure. So what we saw was especially a lot of the smaller businesses, executive protection businesses who are were 100% reliant on, on uh, travel found themselves completely out of business. In fact, some of them have not uh, even been able to recover and have remained uh, shut down. So um, initially what we saw with the pandemic, uh, after it became obvious that there was going to be uh, a complete indefinite um, shutdown in terms of people traveling and, and people uh, going to work, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of businesses started to look at, look inwards at their security. So it, again, in the early stages of the pandemic, uh, many many of the clients took time to review and reevaluate some of their business uh, crisis management plans, business continuity plans. And specifically, they started to look at their security in terms of their business travel. Uh, what were they doing? Were they doing enough? What was defining essential business travel? Um, and so they were really looking um, at that for the, you know, as, as sort of brushing off the some of the old uh, plans and, and, and really uh, kind of rethinking um, specifically what was first and foremost the necessity of travel, uh, whether or not it was essential. Um, and then obviously, um, you know, being able to use this remote technology that many of us hadn't really used so heavily uh, pre-COVID. 
Um, that really made them look at the necessity of travel. Not all businesses, but a lot of businesses looked at, um, do we really need to, to travel when we can conduct this, uh, these, these businesses and these meetings remotely? Sure. And, and I think, you know, on a previous uh, podcast, we did talk a little bit about kind of the changing landscape of duty of care. And I think tied to that, um, that question, is travel necessary? There was also this shift from people being in the office, where now do you need to have people in the office? And the workforce is primarily remote. And there's a lot of businesses and clients of ours that have gone 100% remote. So how is that affecting what you're seeing in executive protection and kind of the role of the teams that do that work for you? So, yeah. So for that, uh, you know, the the remote work uh, really moved in a seismic way um, for us in terms of executive protection services. A lot of the executive protection details that were assigned to uh, some of our clients, C-suite executives, um, they basically shifted their focus from uh, obviously the escort protection to and from uh, to now uh, increasing the residential security. Uh, what was interesting is a lot of the principals that we provide services to uh, had not, uh, some of them, many of them had not uh, you know, worked in a remote capacity before. Um, so they, they found a, a what, what we found is that this brought uh, new potential vulnerabilities in terms of um, them being very predictable um, them being always at home. Um, and so this was a, a, a new vulnerability that we needed to address and assess. Um, and so we saw that uh, obviously now uh, with them working remotely, um, in addition to their, their physical vulnerability that they felt being predictable like this, uh, you know, another big issue, obviously, as we know, for, for not just uh, for not just executives, but for, for everybody working from home was connectivity uh, was, a, was a big thing, making sure that they had strong connectivity. And then, of course, um, cybersecurity uh, became a very uh, almost immediate and important issue to address. So that was uh, one, one thing we, we really needed to look at. Um, and then, you know, as the summer progressed in 2020, uh, and then what with the, the protest activity in a lot of the major cities, a lot of that activity um, sort of bleeding out into the suburbs in terms of the, the rioting and, and the protests. Uh, this was another uh, another vulnerability that we saw as, as a potential concern. Uh, we began getting a lot of calls for residential security, that is full-time 24-7 residential security protection uh, on, on these executives' uh, residences. Because it's really that transition, right? So they're <laughs> they're typically in the office. They're typically on business trips. Now they're twenty four hours a day in their residence with their families, and the concern really shifted, right? And we were able to accommodate that for our clients, which I think is is incredibly important for the services that we offer as an organization. Um, just shifting over to travel again, um, one of the conversations that I had with a client was, kind of this need to find an alternative to commercial travel. So, right, there wasn't a lot available. There were a lot of challenges. Even today, we've got clients that are making changes to their travel policy to accommodate um, the um, the pandemic and the COVID concerns. So what are you seeing related to the executive protection side in, in commercial travel versus private aircraft travel? and how uh, organizations are utilizing that. Yeah, certainly. 
So obviously that was all driven by by the the exposure to COVID, and you know even initially when all commercial travel was at a complete standstill, shutdown, uh, there was private aviation uh, services still being uh, administered. Those that uh, absolutely required travel, uh, some for the first time, uh, you know, engaged the use of private aircraft um, to get around, uh, both uh, chartering, uh, le- uh, leasing aircraft. And then uh, what we saw was a substantial increase in uh, aircraft ownership. Uh, so we saw both uh, increase in leasing and, and, and ownership of, of private air, aircraft. Um, for for particular particularly for a lot of the uh, C-suite clients that needed still needed to travel. Um, you know, some of the clients that you know could already afford, frankly, private aviation. Uh, but a lot of times would refuse to utilize it just because of the potentially negative public image that it projects. Um, we saw in COVID, it suddenly changed direction abruptly. It was all about their health and and still being able to, uh, you know, be effective in their business. So um, they they started to rely on private aviation. So we saw a huge demand in private aircraft, both again ownership and private leasing. Um, you know, also at the beginning of the uh, pandemic, you know, we were still, as when we were still unsure about the, the spread and the containment uh, of COVID, um, I'll, I'll, what we saw pre-COVID was a lot of the uh, clients who already had aircraft, a lot of times they, they would fractionally lease out their aircraft um, when, when they weren't using it. Well, that uh, really stopped. We saw that because their demand was was higher for them to lease out their aircraft, but for health concerns, they they really wanted to to maintain um, you know the the security and didn't want any of that uh, potential exposure uh, on their aircraft. So uh, you know for fear of contamination. It was interesting with this in, increase uh, you know in in the use of private travel. A lot of our clients are saying they'll never go back to commercial travel now. Um, that it's uh, not only is it you know obviously. Uh, healthier in terms of uh, you know the the mitigating the the potential exposure, um, but a lot of them have realized just how effective and efficient private travel is in terms of uh, them being able to to get business done uh, in a more efficient manner. So it's it's a it's a health safety concern, but it also uh, to to those who hadn't used it before uh, were were somewhat enlightened on on how effective uh, private private travel can be. Sure, the convenience of it. Absolutely. Uh, well, certainly it's on my bucket list. So if there's anyone listening that would like to take me on their private aircraft at any point, I'm welcome to participate in that trial. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so let's move down and talk a little bit on secure drivers. So, so kind of looking at this in two ways. Um, not, you know, secure drivers is something that's always been made available typically to those executives, those VIPs and organizations. But we're also seeing a lot of organizations, aren't we, that are that are taking that down to mid-level management. So where they used to go and utilize just, it might be hailing a taxi, it might be using a, a shared service. They're now um, putting policies in place, right, to utilize secure drivers in a more commonplace uh, situation with these organizations. That's exactly right. And in fact, even pre-COVID, we were seeing an uptick in in the utilization of security drivers, particularly in the moderate and high-risk uh, areas in the world that they were traveling to. Uh, but what's really interesting is is with the 
you know, normally security drivers were uh, primarily uh, afforded to, you know, uh, again, executives, uh, foreign dignitaries, et cetera, when they travel. But what we saw um, in COVID was uh, an expansion of, of that service to include, as you say, uh, mid-level managers uh, and managers um, that, you know, require uh, having either a uh, transportate, ground transportation service um, rather than, you know, utilizing either an executive car service. Um, you know, they recognize that the secure drivers uh, obviously is uh, something that uh, affords them um, an, an added degree of security protection, obviously, because these are specifically trained security drivers in, in, in terms of uh, how to provide security in transit. Uh, but also security drivers uh, are also trained in first response emergency medicine, which, again, with, with the COVID concerns, um, was something that was very attractive, uh, is very attractive to, uh, to, to these organizations. Um, the security drivers, you know, they, they're obviously their familiar familiarity to the area uh, is is also a, a great uh, a great aspect. And you know what we saw was just again uh, the organizations expanding their duty of care uh, as it relates to COVID care um, capability, taking that into consideration for the foreign travel. So yeah, we have definitely seen an up uptick in secure driver work. Yeah, absolutely, and that. Right. That duty of care that that changes on a regular and, you know, organizations that thought they made changes to their policy in the beginning. It's really turning out to be a dynamic plan. Right. To to understand what the latest challenges are, where people are traveling to, where their residences are, where the remote workforce is. It's really changing um, on a fairly regular basis on what these organizations should be doing to protect their their people. And it's not just executives anymore. It's everyone in the organization, right? The most important asset Absolutely. to these organizations are people. So, you know, talking about that COVID care, maybe uh, share a little bit. I am sure there's protocols related to COVID that have changed significantly, and I'm sure they're changing ongoing, but maybe share a little bit about what you're seeing around those COVID protocols um, with the services that you guys are offering? Certainly. So, I mean, as we started to see travel come back on and we were getting these specific requests, uh, both for executive protection services and for secure driver services, um, you know, one of the biggest concerns they had uh, with retaining this service was that uh, our staff, uh, you know, had a, a strict adherence to, to maintaining COVID protocols. And, uh, you know, a big part of that uh, adherence to the COVID protocols, uh, in addition to obviously the, you know, the, the, the COVID uh, in terms of, uh, you know, PCR testing um, and, and making sure that, uh, you know, the vehicles uh, and the aircraft are, have been sanitized uh, pre-trip. Um, but one of the biggest uh, requirements uh, that or requests, I should say, that we, we started to get was to make sure that our uh, personnel were uh, COVID vaccinated. Uh, and, and so what we've done uh, across the board uh, is ensured that all of our uh, protective agents and all of our security drivers are double COVID uh, vaccinated. So double vaccinated uh, with either the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine, uh, making certain that um, uh, that that is completely taken, uh, you know, eliminated in terms of concerns. Um, so. Uh, all of our personnel uh, in, in, in essentially in this business 
uh, you know, it, it compels you to to make sure that you you're you're vaccinated. You know, in addition to to all the protocols, making sure that the the vehicles are sanitized, etc. Um, it's important to to uh, make sure that uh, you know all, our teams are vaccinated. So um, that's that's one thing we've demanded and we insist on for for all of our personnel. Terrific. Yeah, I know it's a big concern, and a lot of organizations are trying to figure out uh, what the requirement requirements are for employees, but also for vendors and partner organizations that they work with uh, to do business every day. Um, so if you look in your crystal ball, Matt, and you look out into 2022, um, what do you think the future looks like uh, within executive protection? Well, I, I got to say that uh, we're very encouraged, um, actually. What we're seeing is that uh, travel is coming back. I mean, uh, a lot of our clients are already making very specific plans, uh, despite the uh, the continued regional surges uh, that we're seeing of, of the COVID uh, spread, particularly through right now through Middle and Eastern Europe. Uh, we're seeing um, seeing that, um, but many of our clients have already booked for us for security support in the coming year. Uh, several of the business conferences that we would normally uh, provide services, uh, major sporting events. Uh, uh, World Economic Forum, uh, World Cup, uh, we're going to be uh, attending all of those. So again, we're we're very optimistic. We're seeing a real uh, uptick in terms of planning for 2022. Um, we think that foreign travel is going to come back and come back in a big way. Uh, may not happen initially uh, the, the first quarter, but we we see uh, we see a lot of plans being made, and so we're very we're very encouraged. Terrific. Well, I know all of us out here that have been uh, road warriors for longer than I care to admit, we're all pretty excited to get some face-to-face and get back on those airplanes. And again, yes. private aircraft, I'm willing to do if anyone's willing to offer it. Um, so thank you so much, Matt. It uh, has been a real pleasure. Um, and thank you to our listeners. Um it has been uh, terrific information around executive protection. Uh, we welcome your feedback. We welcome your ideas for future podcasts. Please make sure you subscribe to the Risk Insight at your preferred podcast provider and appreciate you taking the time today. I'm Mo French. Thanks for joining us and make a difference every day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Risk Insight. Please subscribe to the show wherever you consume podcasts. And for more information on today's topic, please visit us on the web at crisis24.com.